Welcome to Gender Meowster Podcast Network. Genderful is a talk show featuring non-binary and trans folks discussing various topics and special interests. We kindly remind our listeners that no person is a monolith of identities. All opinions are the speaker's own. This show airs live on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash gender meowster and VODs with show notes can also be found on YouTube. So hello, everyone. I'm Jenner Master. I use they, them pronouns. And I have a lovely guest today that I will let him introduce himself. Hey, everyone. I'm Baron. You may know me as Baron Von Klapp. I use he, they pronouns. And I'm just vibing. Awesome. Thank you so much, Baron, for, for joining us today. It's really a pleasure to have you on the show. Absolutely. Um, Thank you for having me. Thank you for accommodating my work schedule. <laughs> oh, totally. It's it's really cool to have the chance to talk to you. So happy to do it. I got to sleep in a little extra. We just had Transgiving here at the house. We had three trans friends over, so there was five trans people in the house. We just ate food and talked about life, and it was the dream. <laughs> a whole party. <laughs> it was so good. Sounds lovely. Yeah. So just to start out with a fluffy question, what are some of your special interests? What do you like? What do you like to do? So I just started gardening this past year. I actually just had to shut down the garden because we had our first frost this past week. But mm -hmm. I grew some tomatoes, carrots, a zucchini, the chard and pole beans were scorched in the hot heat. So those didn't turn out. But otherwise, I think it went pretty well for my first time and uh, first year. Otherwise, I like to play some video games. I'm currently replaying Spider-Man on uh, Ultimate Mode. Nice. Waiting for Miles Morales to drop again in price. It's still holding at $50, I think. I'm also going to school part-time, majoring in political science and minoring in history, although that could change for the millionth time. Uh, but I really enjoy my history classes, and I, I get... They're all online, so they're weekly discussion posts. And the ones for my political science classes... Make me angry sometimes. Understandable. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool that you're in school. I actually, I think I changed my major four or five times when I was in undergrad. It's just... Yeah. Been going to college for almost a decade. Uh -huh. On and off. Yeah. And I'm sure we'll talk more about some of that as we get into more of your story. Yeah. So I'm to start with the... The question I like to ask all my guests, no matter what their special topic is, is how has your relationship to gender evolved over time? Absolutely. So I initially came out as bisexual, but mostly out of fear because my parents outed me and backed me into a corner. I was raised in a pretty conservative Christian home. And I was like, I thought I was gay, but I thought that being bisexual would give them hope that I might end up with a man one day and fulfill their picture of what they thought my life should turn out to be. My mom was like, that's worse. You can't even choose. I did not know about the stigma against bisexual folks at the wee age of 14. So at that time, I was, I was raised as a girl and I was fulfilling that role, but I was very tomboyish. And I always knew that something was different, but I grew up in the Midwest didn't know anybody who is trans, didn't even know the word transgender until who shares shares son who's trans. Chaz Bono. Chaz, yeah. Mm -hmm. When Chaz was on Dancing with the Stars, I think that was the first time I ever 
I remember seeing a trans person and I was like, that's pretty cool. But then my, the way my parents talked about him, I was like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> and it wasn't until being in the, after a few years of being in the military that I actually came out as trans. And we're going to talk about this a little bit more later on, but like swinging all the way to trans man, like opposite side of the spectrum from living as a woman to living as a man. And now I'm uh, floating somewhere in the middle now, a little more on the mask side, but I, I don't identify as a man, just a trans mask person. Do you feel like the phrase non-binary applies to you more these days? I don't know. I'm, I feel like I fought so hard for my trans identity that I'm hesitant to let that go. But I think falling under the non-binary umbrella as a trans mask person would fit. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's been a journey for me too, like figuring out where in the galaxy of gender identities I might be. And I know for <laughs> me, at least I've really resisted the trans man title because I want mm. I like I'm non-binary and I want there to be more space for non-binary people too. Definitely. There's always this assumption of the binary and I'm like, oh, I don't like it though. Yeah. Because I don't want I don't want to just switch all the expectations of a cis female for all the expectations of a cis male. I'm like, I don't want any expectations actually. Could I just be a person? Hey, Could I right. just be me instead? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Totally. My next question is, when did you realize you were trans? Were you in the military at the time? What happened there? So, like I said, I always knew that I was different. And as I, I distinctly remember as a, a, a very young child raised in church. So there were nights that I would pray that I would wake up with a penis. Mm -hmm. And I very distinctly remember that. But obviously, I didn't have the language for it. So I knew from a very young age, but it wasn't until a little bit before I joined the military. So like maybe around between 2010 and 2012, I made some Tumblr friends and uh, one of them was a trans guy and we talked about it and he was talking about his transition and his name. And he was like, if you were trans, what would your name be? I was like, oh, I don't know. That was like a fun thing to explore. And I didn't think too much about it, knowing that I was going into the military and suppressing all of that. And it didn't feel like that was a real possibility until Obama changed the policy to allow trans folks to serve openly. And I was like, oh, this maybe could be it. Did that and have that anything to do with repealing Don't Ask, Don't Tell, or was that a different thing? That's different. So that okay. was, that's that for was gay more people. sexuality. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. And that was repealed before I joined. So thankfully, I didn't have to deal with hiding my sexuality, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you started as a bisexual being or something. So that makes sense. I was sense. so gay. I was, <laughs> I strongly identified with Baby Dyke. Dyke at the time, but looking back, Baby Dyke. Yeah. I'm curious if if now it feels like you've slingshotted or yo-yoed all the way towards somewhere in the straight in a queer way category, or if it's more like pansexual, whatever pile of ugh. <laughs> So sexuality-wise, I identify as queer. So pretty much just it is what it is. I'm open to anything. I am married to my partner, and they are non-binary. So I don't want to put any limits on myself. Yeah. Yeah, I'm married to a trans woman, and as I am non-binary, it's someday when the testosterone has made more changes to me, we're going to look straight. 
to people. And that's so weird to me because I have so much invested in like being a lesbian. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so the latest phrase that someone in the Discord server posted was the phrase lesboy. (laughs) Okay. And it's like someone who identifies as a lesbian, but is like somewhere in the masculine of center pile direction. I don't know. That's cute. I really like lesboy. That resonates with me. But I'm also like monogamously married. So it's like a puzzle in my brain, but also practically it doesn't matter. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Whatever feels comfy for you. And that's Margot, my partner in the chat. Hi, Margot. Welcome in. Glad you're here. So when did you come out and what was that process like for you? As gay or as trans? Let's do both. One and then the other. (laughs) Okay. As I kind of mentioned, I was forced out by my parents. They found texts on my phone. It was very dramatic. So I didn't get to determine how I came out. And so it was several bad experiences because they would force me back into the closet and say, force me to admit that I was gay and then tell Mm -hmm. me I wasn't. So that happened. Gaslighting. Yeah. A few times Mm -hmm. throughout high school. But the first time was my junior year. So that would have been a 2011-ish. I had supportive friends at school, thankfully. But yeah, it wasn't a great situation at home. And part of the reason I joined the military was to get out. Get away from my hometown. Get away from, yeah, get Mm -hmm. away from my family. Yeah. And then as far as coming out as trans, I... The first person I like actually came out to was my partner who I'm married to now. The first time I was high on Ambien, so I don't remember. But then a couple weeks later, I told them sober and they said, I know. And I had no memory of the first time that I told them. So I was very confused by that reaction, but they've always been very accepting and supportive, which I'm super lucky and super grateful for. Mm-hmm. And that was early 2017. Yeah, and I tested the uh, water. I think I also came out partner. in early 2017 as non-binary, oh, but I didn't start okay. tea until eight months ago. Okay, cool. Yeah. That's fun, though. I like it. For sure. So back in, in 2017, there was some stuff happening there with was. some Twitter. There's a lot of stuff Do you want to tell us about that? Yeah, so I was, it was in the summer, some I think July something, and I was at work and I would like, I was on the computer and I was like messaging my partner and they're like, hey, did you see these tweets? Uh, and I was like, obviously, no, I'm talking to you, but I'm at work. So I'm like also working. So not really. And they sent me the tweets and I just like, just like everything stopped. And I was like, what does this mean for me? Like my whole world was, as Fresh Prince would put it, flip turned upside down. Like my whole life was thrown into chaos by tweets because I didn't know if that meant I would be discharged that day, the next day, the next week, the next month, the next year. Like Mm -hmm. I was on edge constantly and nothing happens quickly when it comes to policies. So I was just in limbo for so many months while they figured out how to reconcile real policy with these offhand tweets inflammatory bs yeah wow yeah that was such a wild time <laughs> it was yeah i was dissociated it's like we had a lot if we had an angry an angry toddler running the country it was really Imagine. a lot but even a toddler's not that hateful <laughs> you are correct about that yeah 
Yeah. That was, I also feel like I dissociated for much of that person's reign of terror. At one point when that was going on and then the pandemic started, I just had to get off of social media. I was like, I, I cannot anymore. Yeah. I am, I am now done with mm-hmm. all of this for a year. I just was, I just deleted it off my phone and I was like, nope, mm-hmm. cannot. And honestly, that was the most helpful thing or choice that I could have made. Yeah. Like I'm not on Facebook or Instagram or Reddit anymore. It's just Twitter occasionally. I'm not even on Twitch anymore. I'm just living yeah. my real life and it's not, it's nicer this way. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's not to that. say I don't keep up with the news, but I don't bury my face in it. Yeah. There's nicer things to bury our faces in like yeah. snacks or cuddling our spouses. Yeah, and my cat. <laughs> and kittens. At some point. Okay, if your cat does wander in, please do hold the cat up so that everyone can enjoy how great your cat is. I certainly. <laughs> We're very cat friendly here on the Gender Meowster channel. <laughs> oh, really? I wouldn't have guessed. <laughs> this, the cat that is on my merch and stickers and stuff, it's based mm-hmm. off of my actual cat in real life, Nefrikitty, oh, which yeah. is why it's this calico with orange on one side and black on the other. So pretty. It's so cute. I love it so much. And then this is a trans capybara. That's my wife. She's trans capybara, so she gets a sticker too. It was a a gift from one of our community members for the one-year celebration of our server and community. It was such a nice present. Yeah. Baron, what was it like in the military? And what would you want civilians to know about that experience? Honestly, compared to some other people's stories, I came out relatively, like physically for the most part, unscathed and emotionally wrecked. But while I was in, it's it just is your reality. Mm-hmm. You don't have any concept that life could or should be any other way. And you're just suffering with the people alongside you. And then that kind of makes it bearable. And it's really crucial to compartmentalize what you are actually part of, which Mm -hmm. is what I did. I was in for six years and I certainly wasn't, I didn't go in. I was 19 when I joined up. I wasn't anti-capitalist. I wasn't aware of the extent of the absolute horrors of the military industrial complex. Would you say most people join at that young age? They join before they know. Yeah, a lot of people do. Mm -hmm. And weighing maybe dying in some terrible way with staying with my parents and never being able to authentically be myself I chose the former that's it's it illuminates how difficult your situation was that joining the military was a better option for you yeah yeah and I'm grateful for the what it gave me in terms of discipline and now I'm using the GI bill and getting paid to go to school and I had free health care and my hysterectomy was covered by TRICARE while I was on active duty. So I'm grateful for all those things while also holding that guilt, even though I didn't necessarily know better at that age. And it was tough to come to term- start to come to terms with while I was in because I couldn't get out. I didn't know about the like I, in theory, I knew about the conscientious objector method of getting out, but Mm -hmm. I didn't know that was for like 
peacetime. I didn't know that I could still do that. I just knew that was a thing that some like famous people did like decades ago. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I, I signed a contract. So like they have this time of my life and that's, I just got to grin and bear it. And I, there was a point where I had planned to stay in for 20 years, like early on, I was drinking the Kool-Aid and maybe I would have, if I didn't come out as trans and all of these things didn't happen to where I wouldn't be able to serve openly with the flip-flop of policies and everything but yeah that Mm -hmm. really put me off yeah so was there a final straw that had you that was the thing that had you leave or did you like finish something and you were like okay i've done it did your contract Um, just run out yeah my contract ran out Mm-hmm. So there are things called tours, which last three or four years. Mm-hmm. And typically contracts are about four years, but mine was six because my training was so long uh-huh. uh, because I was a linguist. So it was a little bit over a year to get through basic training and then what they call a school for the Navy to learn a whole new language. And that sort of eats time away from the overall contract. So they tack on two years to it. So they get their money's worth out of you basically. And my first tour expired around, I think 2017, 2018. And if I decided to reenlist or stay in, then I would have had to go somewhere else for Mm -hmm. another tour and actually extend my contract. And so I was actually able to extend my first tour until the end of my contract and just let it run out there. Are you allowed to talk about where you went or what language you learned or is it all secret? I was a Russian linguist. I learned it at the Defense Language Institute in Monterey, California. And then I went over to Fort Meade, Maryland, and that's where my time ran out. So I'm still on the East Coast. Ooh, so it's late over there. (laughs) Yeah, it's a little after eight o'clock now. Nice. Okay. I have a question about healthcare things. I know a lot of people will join the military because of healthcare. And it looks like we also have a question from Juice Text here in the chat. I see. It says, was the TRICARE insurance policy stuff harder to navigate as a non-binary person than as a binary push person would have it? So maybe we'll combine that with what kind of trans benefits, if any, do you get from the VA hospital? Sure. So I actually don't use any of the VA benefits for healthcare because that whole system's a mess. Thankfully, we just get insurance through the exchange. So it's all civilian stuff. But while I was on active duty, I, because I was in such a like binary culture, the military is male or female, nothing in between. I was pretty on board with that. I didn't know a lot of non-binary people. I didn't. I wasn't very familiar with that experience or what that meant. So I was like, yeah, I'm a man. So during that time when I was making that transition, I didn't have any... I was okay with living as a man. So everything that I did was in line with the policies that sort of supported this idea of if you transition, you will go from man to woman or woman to man if you fall anywhere in between, you either have to decide not to transition at all or to take the medically necessary steps to transition, which may or may not include HRT and surgery. I don't remember if anything was necessarily required in terms of the policy, but I had to change. So I wanted HRT, 
I wanted top surgery and I mm-hmm. wanted a total hysterectomy, all of which I got mm-hmm. while I was in the military. And as part of this, the policy that sort of governed the transition guidance, we had to come up with a transition plan there was a roadmap for all of these things that would culminate in changing my gender marker in the military personnel system. And that's when I could be referred to with the proper pronouns at work, with the proper name and wear the proper uniforms that matched that gender marker change. So there's this year space where you live a double life because your real life experience is supposed to only take place outside of work while you're in your transition, unless you get an, a waiver that's called like an exception to policy that's signed by your commanding officer, which I didn't get. Margo actually answered the question about TRICARE, TRICARE and non-binary things. Okay. I can read that for Margo. So Margo says, TRICARE as an insurance will cover non-binary things with only a few snafus. It's more an issue of military culture in this regard. So if you're active duty or in the military, you won't be able to access a lot of TRICARE covered support. If you are a spouse or family of someone with TRICARE, there's a bit more wiggle room. Thank you, Margo, for that answer. Maybe I'll uh, put that in our show notes. Is there anything else you wanted to say about health stuff? I guess I'm curious, what do you do instead? You have a fabulous beard. Like for those listening later who maybe can't see you on stream, obviously you have a a deeper voice than Mm -hmm. maybe your assigned gender at birth and you have this really lovely beard. And so I'm guessing you're probably on testosterone at the very least. And how did you do that? How did I do If you that? don't mind, um, if you don't have to answer if you don't want to, but I am curious. No, no, no. I'm, I'm happy to. As I mentioned, that process, to kick off the process, I had to go to my primary care provider, my doctor, mm-hmm. at the military uh, treatment facility on base and say, I want to medically transition. And my story is a little bit different from the sort of template they lay out because mm-hmm. I had a civilian therapist who okay. had already diagnosed me with gender dysphoria. Mm-hmm. earlier that same year, 2017. So I was able to like get a little bit of the real life experience quota knocked off because I already had some. I was already using he, him pronouns and starting dressing more quote unquote masculine outside of work. And after that, I was assigned a case manager who helped me na- navigate the policy and requirements and everything and draft up that plan which I think was like a 12 month plan. So at the beginning, day one is I want to transition. And by the end of the 12 months, all my documents are changed, birth certificate, driver's license, and that final point of my gender marker being changed in the like military personnel system started hormones if it's been deemed medically necessary and any other surgeries that again, were deemed medically necessary. So, I had to, in addition to having that gender dysphoria diagnosis from my civilian therapist, it had to be corroborated by a military, a psychologist who was working for the military. Mm -hmm. So I had to go to the behavioral health on base and basically say, hey, I had this diagnosis from my civilian provider. And he essentially had to go through the motions of giving the diagnosis, like how long have you known? How long have you lived? How much real real life experience do you have? Going through all those typical questions. And from that point, they're like, okay, 
since you have this diagnosis, HRT is medically necessary. So I went to down to Walter Reed in Bethesda because at Fort Meade, they don't have in any endocrinology. At least they didn't when I was there. So I had to go down to Bethesda and see them and they go through the informed consent. Say, basically, do you really want to do this? This is how your body might change. And they go through, I think, the W path guidelines, mm-hmm. which I think is similar for civilians. So they go through that. And then at the end of, I don't remember if it was that appointment or the one after that, where a nurse showed me how to inject myself with uh, testosterone sipionate inter- mm-hmm. intramuscularly and sent me on my way with a bag of needles and tea. And from that day on, they were like, okay, you'll come in. Oh, blood work. I got blood work. So it was the next appointment that I actually started. And then weekly from that point on, I was doing the injections. And that was a whole thing. I actually just got met with a new endocrinologist last week because I developed polycythemia. And you, I don't know if you saw me nodding along when you talked about sleeping hot. But I yeah, I, It was like, nice developed... to see you like <laughs> affirming that I'm not the only person who experienced no, this. No, far from it. <laughs> Yeah, rough, dry skin, stinky. It's yeah. yeah. So for me, <laughs> my wife says so hot. <laughs> Thanks, honey. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of acne on my upper back. It does get better, trans capybara. I, How long did it take yeah. you for it to get better? You know what, Margot is better with the timeline because I fair. like no joke. I was dissociated for on and off for most of the tail end of my service that's fair and have had like wild lifetimes ever since then too but yeah it was just a a few months it felt fast tracked in addition to it felt fast but slow Mm -hmm. there are all these wickets that i had to hit to follow along with this transition plan and yet there were so many barriers that every step of the way i was like who do i talk to how do we do this and they're Mm -hmm. like this just rolled out. We're figuring it out too. So it was a lot of, I don't have the answer. Let's figure it out or you figure it out. Mm -hmm. So it was a really stressful time. I have the benefit of marrying a trans person who has excellent healthcare. Goodness. Yeah. It's I honestly, I won the lottery in so many ways with my spouse and that is just one of the many ways, but like she had already done a bunch of the stuff so she knew how to get on hrt she already knew mm-hmm. like the requirements for trans feminine bottom surgery which it's the they're different for top surgery they're a little more lax than that it's not quite as intense but but learning that you need a letter from your md doctor you got to get a letter from a therapist you have to be diagnosed with gender dysphoria and live your gender for a year before you can mm-hmm. have gender affirming surgeries like it was really helpful that she was able to tell me that stuff yeah definitely and i actually got around that requirement because I actually went to a civilian plastic surgeon and paid for top surgery out of pocket. He didn't, I don't think, I don't remember if he required a letter, but I did bring it. And then as far as my hysterectomy, it was, I think it ended up being seen, deemed medically necessary, not only because of my diagnosis of gender dysphoria, mm-hmm. but also because I had like pelvic pain. Interesting. And they never really gave a diagnosis for that. Mm-hmm. I think it just made the paperwork easier on them. 
Yeah, I'm diagnosed with polycystic ovarian, which I hear is actually really common in transmasculine people. Like under mm-hmm. here, I have this patch of hair that's growing that you can see better. And then I have this patch that's the, my testosterone neck beard growing in. Yeah, that's but where this, for me too, right under the chin here. This little patch, this grew in when I was like 12 or 13. I was in middle school when this grew in. And I actually remember okay. like seeing an electrolysis to try and get it removed. I went one mm-hmm. time and it was super mega painful. And I was like, never again. Yeah, on the neck. Ooh. Yeah, it was a time. It's very tender. I don't think we use numbing gel either because I've heard trans women talk about all the, they have to go through so many shenanigans to have mm. bottom surgery, especially. It's, yeah, the hair removal process. I'm glad that I'm going the getting hairier direction instead of the removing the direction. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. My wife says, tell that me is- about it. Electrolysis on the face. <laughs> Oof, I don't envy you. She has a very pretty face, for the record. She does. <laughs> She's so cute. Someone asked a question somewhere. That I don't know where it went. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that eventually it's it gets less stinky and maybe there's fewer night sweats, even if you still run hot at night. Yeah. It'd be yeah. fine with and me I... if I was hot at night, <laughs> but if I don't wake up in a pool of sweat, that would be amazing. I can't wait yeah. for that to be what's happening. Yeah. Um, and with polycythemia, it's, I also have heat sensitivity. So exer- exercising becomes really difficult. Or even if mm. I get emotionally, how your body kind of heats up sometimes. And I like want to claw my skin off because it's like causes a histamine response. Okay. Almost aler- an allergic reaction. I think this is happening to me and none of my doctors know what it's called. How do you spell this word? Polycythemia. Let me, I'll put it in the document for you once I. So when it's. And this is something that started occurring after you started taking tea? I'm not sure. It's definitely worse than it used to be. Okay. Here, I'm going to... There's the correct spelling of it. Awesome. Or here, let me... And actually, if it got worse, it's either... So if it's... If you had it before, then it's polycythemia vera. If you got it... And the origination was like after starting tea, which it was for me, then I think it's secondary polycythemia. So yeah, basically, for me, it's, if it's I shower, secondary. I get so itchy. I'm I'm like intolerable. Like my skin mm. is just I can't even be in, in it. Yeah. For thirty to forty five minutes. Yeah. And it's ten ten out of ten intensity. Like mm-hmm. I would rather be unconscious if I could help it. <laughs> yeah. It's so intense and no amount of anything impacts it. Doesn't matter mm-hmm. if I'm using sulfate-free soaps or filtered water or what temperature the water is or if I'm taking antihistamines or how moisturized my skin was beforehand or if I exfoliate or if I don't. Like, it's just so bad. Yeah, both Margo and Trans Capybara are on the same page. Margo said, if you have PCOS, it's possible that you had it prior because higher T levels in body not knowing what to do. Interesting. Partner twinsies. <laughs> does does that mean if I have my uterus removed, I will be not itchy after showers? I I don't know. It I think it might have gotten a little better after after having a total hysterectomy, but it definitely didn't go away. But yeah, it definitely used to be worse. I remember the first time it happened, I was at the gym on the treadmill and like my face got all splotchy and red and I thought I'd taken too much pre-workout, but I was like, no, this is worse than it's ever been. Cause usually Mm -hmm. it's just like my palms that were itchy and I just Mm -hmm. worked through it and that really freaked me out. And then my doctor was like, yeah, just take, we'll have you take Zyrtec every day. Yeah. And that's a band aid, right? I tried Uh, that. It has very, very limited success. 
Yeah, yeah, same is. Mm-hmm. So I have, thankfully, I, I just started seeing this new endocrinologist and she actually floated the idea of estrogen blockers in addition to taking tea. Hmm. Even though I don't have ovaries or uterus anymore, there are other places that produce estrogen in my body. So trying to tamp that down and see how that goes, maybe. Yeah. So Interesting. Yeah, it's been a ride from that aspect as well, medically. Totally. I'm very interested in this because this is like the one medical mystery that no one in my life can solve. And it's mm. it has a huge impact on my life. So I may yeah. DM you more about this later if you're open no to problem. that. No <laughs> problem. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm happy to share like how my appointments go and everything. If, mm-hmm. if I learn anything else, because she used to work at NIH, but now she's at Chase Brexton, which is which has a lot of trans competent care available over here on the mm-hmm. East Coast. Yeah, I'm over here on the West Coast, but even just hearing like, maybe an endocrinologist is the doctor I need to see to fix this. I've been like, do I need to go see like a skin doctor, dermatologist? So skin doctor, dermatologist, that would, that feels like more of a Band-Aid thing because it, yeah, I'm like, I'm sure it's a It feels like it's inside my body. I don't think it's on my skin. We've done everything for skin and that hasn't solved it. So it's- I, as someone who is, (laughs) is dealing with this, highly recommend if you can try to get with a trans competent endocrinologist. Okay. That's great. My wife <laughs> is excited. She wrote yes, please in all caps in the chat. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. I'm so excited about that being a possible explanation of the thing that's been plaguing me that yeah, I don't even really know how to, brought it up. how to skip to the next topic in a good way. So I'll just ask the next <laughs> question and something will happen. How did military policy impact the course of your transition? Yeah. So I talked about that a little bit, that very like fast tracked formulaic transition. So there was not a lot of processing with each step, like from starting tea and like really enjoying my body changing and like embracing that. It was like, okay, what's next? What do I have to do? What's my next benchmark? And I think a lot of that is, was taken from me. Mm-hmm. because it happens so quickly and I didn't get to savor it. Like mm-hmm. I love watching you do your trans check-in, like really reflecting on everything. And yeah. there's definitely some of that I did early on. I took pictures every day. I took videos every month or so to track my voice progress, but mostly it was stressful. Yeah. And it, it should have been much more joyful than it was in during that time. Yeah. I find myself reflecting on, oh, I wish I like use some sort of voice journal thing to make recordings and do all the stuff. And there's, I still feel like I'm not doing a very good job, even though I'm doing something. You're doing great. Yeah. I think I just need to let go of the perfectionism and be like, it'll get documented as well as it gets documented. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what else to do. Like just my best. That's all I can do. Yeah. You're much more thorough than I ever was. I I think you're doing great. Thank you. That's very kind of you to say. I'm really glad that you survived all those things. Me too. I'm (laughs) glad I'm here. It's really (laughs) rough road, but I made it. It's really cool to be able to like share space with you and talk and do the things. Yeah. I'm really happy to be here. Let's see. What was your decision-making process for different steps in your different transition steps along along the way? Dang, I really did 
jump the gun with a lot of these. So I <laughs> And if you feel like you don't have anything to add, that's fine too. No, that's okay. I think I didn't want the hassle of figuring out how to get TRICARE to pay for top surgery. So I skirted that by paying out of pocket, going to a civilian plastic surgeon. Do you remember how much that was approximately? If you don't mind sharing. <sighs> five or six grand. Oh, wow. And yeah, it's I like, did not have a lot of breast tissue. It's way more affordable than I expected, honestly. Yeah. 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 I didn't have a lot of breast tissue, so it was not double incision was not required because there was not a lot of skin left over mm. afterward. Um, so is that called a keyhole? Like the, yes. they did the keyhole procedure thing? Yeah. My, yeah. So their scars are barely visible now. That's really wonderful. I just had my top surgery about seven or eight weeks ago, mm-hmm. like seven weeks ago. And I actually had a breast reduction like three years prior to that. And so there was okay. just scars everywhere and it was a hot mm. mess. And I actually think my chest looks better now than it did after the first surgery I had because the the scars, frankly, are being tended to better. And the healing process has been a lot simpler. And so I actually, I'm grateful I got a chance to do it again because Mm -hmm. the first time I picked a surgeon, they were like making weird sports references and like using the phrase touchdown to refer to some stage of my surgery process. And I was like, who is this right. guy? This, <laughs> I don't know. He was, he was like a pretty boy plastic surgeon guy who just, sure. I don't know. I just, in my mind, I see him on planes, like with mm. babes or something. I don't know. Right, right. And it's just, it was such a weird experience. That yeah. whole thing was such a, and the aftercare was crappy. And so mm. I actually went to a transcompetent surgeon this Good. this recent time and it was wonderful like his little scrub hat had a rainbow tie-dye like he's cisgender and heterosexual but like super duper ally and gets it and like he has trans people on staff who are like mm-hmm. the nurses who do some of the pre-op prepare people for stuff and their staff were very responsive to emails and they're just great their whole team yeah. was really great and i wish every trans person who's getting some sort of gender affirming surgery had access to people like mm. people like a, a team who's actually competent at what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, more yeah. than just affirming, competent. Yeah, both are ideal. Yes, good at their jobs and call you the right pronouns while you're there. Mm. I have my move. I'm they yeah, shirt on today. Nice. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Margo might want to pick one of those up. Oh my gosh, Margo. I think we actually added one. It's not this exact design, but we added one to my merch shop. Okay, if, sweet. If Margo would like to check that out, there's the link in the chat. Maybe I'll, I'll DM it to you too. For later. Yeah, very fun. Anyway, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. So you have access. Do you have access to the Google Doc with our questions? Do you want to pick I the do. next one that we do? I'm happy to move through them as they are. Okay, cool. We had in the beginning of the show. We had some things happening in chat and I was a little distracted by that. Yeah. So the next question I have is in what ways did your transness slash queerness inform your decision to separate from the military? I mean that whole two years I think it ended up being from the policy being changed under the Obama administration saying that trans service members can now serve openly and then the absolute whiplash to no you can't (laughs) and all the policies and figuring everything out I just I was done 
I didn't want that to happen again, even though I was grandfathered in because I started my medical transition under that policy that said we could openly serve. Yeah, I never, I didn't want that. I knew if anything is possible at that point. So anything that you can imagine under the sun happening, I think could have. And I kept that in mind as my contract ran out. I don't want to be worried about losing my career because of who I am at the drop of a hat because someone decides never having met me that I can't do my job, that I didn't serve honorably because of my own identity. That's such BS. Yeah. There's something about the top boss. It's like the CEO of your company never having met you say, you can't do your job. You specifically can't do your job Mm -hmm. is what happened. I'm like, I I was done. I was so done. Signed up to give six years of your life to this this company and then you get that. That's what I get. Yeah. And you're still under contract. Yep. So you get to be like gaslit and belittled by your CEO and then still go to work for mm-hmm. and still while. do my job. Yeah. Because I, I bet, did. I bet you. I was. I got one an award that very few people get. And like in the end, it doesn't really mean anything. But I know I took pride in my work at that time. Mm-hmm. And I took care of the people around me as best as I could personally and professionally. So it's just disheartening doesn't even begin to cover it but that's all that i can think to say is yeah yeah i hear that rosa in chat says i gave 10 plus years to my company i don't work there anymore i was head of an it department i think this is a sort of a it's a terribly common thing yeah it's certainly not unique to the military it is it is weird that it happened in the military because usually it's the joke is like, you can't, it's harder to get out. And there's joke about jokes about making it up in the ranks. Oh, Navy chiefs. If you don't have a DUI, you're not going to get chief. Yeah. Because that's, yeah, that's the how toxic the military, masculinity that's like, culture. Yeah. That's like old school. Mm-hmm. And there's still that vibe. Some commanding officers handle it differently than others. And it's changed somewhat. And there's somewhat less hazing. Few people per year probably a few less people die every year from hazing on ships and everything but thanks yeah it's not a healthy environment for anybody no especially not if you don't fall in line with societal expectations Mm -hmm. yeah that's um i guess they have the phrase drink like a sailor for a reason huh yeah i was really proud of that i when i was when i hit 21 i hit it hard for a couple of years and then I don't drink much anymore, but yeah, I drank a lot. Yeah. I personally have never started consuming alcohol because mm. my whole family is prone to alcoholism. Yeah. And so I decided life is hard enough without pulling that tiger's tail. Yeah. I it's just going to make everything harder and terrible. Yeah. Yeah. I dabbled even though both of my grandfathers were raging alcoholics mm. and my grandma Bless her soul. She's always, if I ever mention alcohol, she's, you be careful because, and like nowadays I'm like, 
yeah, like I'm very responsible when it comes to drinking, but I wasn't always. And that's something that my, I was, my parents sheltered me very much. So I am not a shellback. I um, never once deployed on a ship, matter mm-hmm. of fact. So for those who don't know what that is, a shellback is someone who is across the middle of the world. There's a little ritual they do. Let's see. I feel like I had one other work-related question. What, if you don't mind sharing, what do you do for work now? And you can be general if you don't want to be specific. I'm not, you don't have to dox yourself or anything, but I'm just, (laughs) I'm curious, like, how do you go from shitty childhood to like linguist in the Navy to like being an adult person who like can pay rent and eat food and be handsome in general at your spouse and stuff. Like, how did you get the that compliment? And I see you. How did you get the the happy enough ever after situation? So, what does that look after like? After I separated from the Navy, December twenty nineteen, I went into federal contracting, like a six figure income, and then I was radicalized, so I could not bridge that gap anymore morally so actually earlier this year and i was able to get a part-time job so while i was in the navy i got my personal training certification so i sort of fell back on that this past year and now i work in a spa setting and i provide assisted stretch services to folks so i get to help people feel a little bit better physically. So you're one of the trans care providers like I was talking about earlier and how great <laughs> they are and how everyone who needs care providers should find trans ones if you're trans. <laughs> yeah, I wish more. we had more trans clients and members, but they're very few and far in between here. Mm-hmm. Do you have a bio on your company website that shows how fabulous you are? Oh, no, it's not that upscale. It's just a franchise. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. So they just get stuck with me if they want a stretch because I'm the only stretch provider and the rest of the folks are massage therapists. And we have estheticians as well, which are all lovely. That's good. I'm glad that you found work that is better for your soul. (laughs) It is. Yeah. I, I like being able to help people and not worry about what will be done with the work that I have done. Another thing is like being able to partake in marijuana if I so choose. Mm -hmm. And there are just fewer constraints because now I don't have to maintain a top secret security clearance. Yeah, that sounds way less stressful. It is. You like left the military (laughs) and now you work in a spa. That's the opposite of the military. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I'm still in an area where a lot of military folks live and work. So I people come in, they're still on active duty. And I'm just like, wow, that feels so far behind me. Yeah. I do have a veteran related question. If people know you're a veteran or something and they say like, happy Veterans Day or (laughs) thank you for your service or that stuff, does that just feel super weird? It does. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a joke among active duty service members too. And like, when you first join up and people start saying it to you like, oh, thanks for your service, happy, happy Veterans Day, even though we're not veterans and that's a whole thing too. Like we will ask our higher ups, what do we say when these civilians get all like patriotic and stuff and we're just like, we're just doing our job or 
and now it's I just did my job. Yeah, it's, it feels weird. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, yeah, no problem. Yeah. And like, I used to say, thanks for your support. Uh, like when I was on active duty and people would say, thanks for your service. That was like a pretty common response. Yeah. But now I'm like, no, you don't have to say that. Does it feel like someone's saying thanks for going to jail? <laughs> Sometimes. Like, or like thanks, thanks for, for living through oppression life. for us. Yeah. Uh, it is a very American thing. Super American. And yeah. people also like feel good about themselves when they acknowledge someone else's service. So it's, uh-huh. it's not even for the person they're thanking, really. Yeah. It's, I don't know posturing for the optics or something mm-hmm. if someone wants to like feels gratitude for whatever patriotic whatever what are more meaningful ways they could try to thank a veteran or a service <laughs> member buy them a drink contribute to their top surgery i would take a drink i'm always happy to talk about my experience i'm like i don't being thanked for it makes me feel weird because I don't think that it's a good thing that I did. Yeah. And that's why it feels weird. Yeah. So I don't want people to thank me. I don't think there is a right way to do it because gratitude doesn't feel like the appropriate response to my service. Uh Uh-huh. Interesting. So if someone is a leftist and it's Veterans Day, what should we do? What I want you to do is steal some valor Go tell a restaurant that you're a veteran, get a free meal. Nice. Margo says donate. Yeah. You can also donate to Wounded Warrior Project and other organizations that serve veterans. I'm going to write Wounded Warrior Project down. So I don't talk about this on stream too much, but I actually uh, know someone who does autocross racing for veterans. I think it's called racing for warriors and it's in, Mm -hmm. last I checked, it was in either North, North Carolina or Virginia, like maybe VIR racetrack is where she Mm -hmm. runs those and it's free for vets. So I don't know how far that is from where you are, but it's at least on the same coast as you. Yeah. (laughs) So if you ever want to go do autocross racing, it's cool. The racing for warriors. Yeah. I think we're going um, mattress shopping this weekend to take care, take advantage of the capitalist sales associated with Veterans Day. Uh huh. So strange. The strangeness will, is real. Yeah, it's really because we missed out on the Columbus Day sale. <laughs> yeah, fuck Columbus. They should call it Indigenous Peoples Day sale. And what they should do is donate thirty percent of their profits to all the indigenous tribes in wherever their business is located. They should pay their rent to the indigenous people that own the land that they're on. Mm-hmm. Yes, all these things would be lovely. <laughs> so last I checked, Racing for Warriors has a once a month event, so it might be possible to sign up for it. emails or something online. I'm not sure, but we can also connect more after stream about that if you are interested. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. But I've seen I've seen the sort of little promo video that they put together for Racing for Warriors, and it's cool to hear about vets who mostly stay home, maybe with their spouses, but they don't really have friends. They don't really open up. They don't socialize at all because mm-hmm. people don't get it. Who then go and you have the adrenaline rush of being in the car, but like hearing even the spouses in the situation talk about their partner like really opening up and like coming out of their shell and being more of a person again it's cool to hear about 
So anyway, that's a... Yeah, and that's that's something that is like a really interesting thing for me when I was serving is I had the opportunity to greet, I think, Vietnam veterans at the BWI airport. There's this program where they bring folks in who are like spat on when they got home. They did not, certainly were not respected the way that soldiers and service members typically are today. And they come to BWI, they fly in from all over the country and we greet them in our service dress uniform and we get to chat with them. And the moment that a veteran, especially older veterans, find out that you serve or you have served, Mm -hmm. the floodgates are open and it's humbling to be on the receiving end of that. It's also very sad because like you, you usually keep this in because Mm -hmm. you know that not a lot of people have comparable experience. So it's just easier to keep it to yourself and try to explain. I'm like, I've worn like my Navy sweater in public Mm -hmm. and literally was stopped by someone in the grocery store. It was like, yeah, this is what I did in Vietnam. It's, wow. it's that easy. Yeah. Wow. So it's, I don't know. I feel like in some ways being visibly trans can also invite trans people to just walk up to you and start talking about things. Absolutely. You wear, you wear it's, the it's trans or non-binary flag out in the world and people are like, hey, yeah. or you get the awkward, like they're really excited, but the they don't know what like, to say. And it's like, oh. <laughs> Just acknowledging existence, yeah. The gender wonder in me sees the gender wonder in you. Nice. Mm -hmm. Very good. All right. Switching away from work, how did you tap into gender euphoria outside of work prior to being allowed to present as some flavor of male or masculine at work? I got clothes that I was comfortable in or as comfortable as possible in. I got like nice sweaters and stuff that just felt good to wear. Got a lot of button ups. I went to H and M because they had primo stuff for little trans guys like myself back then. Yeah. They don't have um, stuff in curvy trans guy size though. I think they go yeah. up to two X. Yeah, Whoa. I'm pretty short, and at the time <clears throat> I was fairly thin as well. So mm-hmm. as long as I was binding, some of their stuff made me feel good about myself. And yeah. I also did drag for a bot. Uh, a couple of years. That's fun. I actually started right after two months after I had top surgery. I started doing drag. As masculine or as feminine? Yes. Both. So I the marketed genders. myself as a drag king. Mm-hmm. And my actual title that I gave myself, like my handle, I can't say because it's... No, that's fine. Because it's the F word. And also I don't uh-huh. want to dox myself, but... <laughs> it's totally fine. You don't have to share what your, what your drag um, king name was. Yeah. And I really enjoyed performing i sometimes i would wear heels i wasn't shaving my legs so i would just wear like fishnets and let all my leg hairs hang out and i would put paint on a beard Mm -hmm. but also do very feminine contouring of my face so all of these things together on my face and a mix of genders absolutely i love that so much yeah the pandemic stopped me in my tracks but it stopped everyone in their tracks yeah like I had formed an LLC and I was, I had performed at the Austin International Drag Fest, like, and I had auditioned for a drag competition called Camp Wanakiki. I don't know if anybody's familiar. 
-hmm. it's on YouTube right now. But yeah, like I was starting to go places and then COVID. And maybe I'll go back to it someday, but for now it's nice to look back on as a place where I could express myself and also express my frustrations with the military because I did do some spicy numbers while I was on active duty. One of them actually got me in trouble. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Yeah, just a couple months before I actually separated. And had there been more time left on my contract, I probably would have gotten in more trouble. But I think they were like, you know what? He's on his way out. Just slap on the wrist and Mm -hmm. get out. Yeah. Wow. I love the idea of a person in the Navy doing spicy trans drag things. It's pretty fun. (laughs) You get cooler the more I talk to you. (laughs) Thank you. I usually jokingly call myself cool. So what happens if it's actually true? Ooh, I don't know about that. Then I get small. (laughs) (laughs) I would do a bigger star, but I'm still healing, so I can't do big arms. I could do medium arms. Don't strain strain your (laughs) precious chest. It's still, honestly, my armpits hurt the most. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It did some side liposuction thing to Mm -hmm. masculinize my chest, and it's, wow. They really really did it. Got in there and really, Mm -hmm. owie. Ooh, yeah. Like, thank you and ow. Yes. The, it's side sleeping is still weird. Does side sleeping ever get better? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cause it takes some time. I sleep with two fluffy stuffed animals to prop my arms up because if, mm-hmm. if my arm collapses across my chest when I'm laying on my side, it totally Ooh. it doesn't feel good after a while. But yeah. it's six weeks on my back, and I'm usually a side sleeper. I was like, I need to change this because my body is so grumpy. Yeah, thankfully I'm mainly a back sleeper, so I had that going for me. Yeah, and I I healed up really well. I've I couldn't tell you how long it took before I was able to comfortably sleep on my side again, but I probably did it too soon. I waited my six weeks. That's what they told me, but <laughs> it's a uh, I don't know. It now doesn't feel normal your... yet. Yeah, it's still weird. The six weeks they tell everybody, and then there's whatever your body will allow. Yes. Yes. I still can't uh, put dishes away on the top shelf of things. I'm like, okay, I'm leaving these Mm. for Capybara. (laughs) She will come along and make it happen eventually one day. Yeah. Yeah. Very specific phenomenon. Like I'll put everything else that I can away, but there are the bowls. Yep. (laughs) Sorry, babe. It's too far back in that cabinet. That's two shelves high. They'll just be in the drying rack until you get to it. It's just real. Have you driven yet? I or think do I, you drive normally? Yeah, I do drive normally. I think I've driven at least one time. I can't remember where I went. Some appointment. I don't know. Okay. But yeah, I've driven. It's, oh, you know what? I went to the grocery store that's about a mile from our house mm. on Halloween because we ran out of Halloween candy. Oh, no. And my wife was sad because she wanted to give the kids candy and do the whole say trick or treat. Here's the candy. See all the cute outfits thing. And I'm, I feel ambivalent about that. So I was like, okay, I will Mm -hmm. go get candy and you stay here and give our last two pieces of candy away and maybe barter (laughs) with kids for if they have mediocre candy they don't want, they can give it to you instead. (laughs) to give to the next kid trick or whatever or trade? <laughs> trick or trade yeah so i went to the store and spent 60 dollars on grown-up candy that is wrapped individually <laughs> because all the kid candy was gone and i was like oh no we're gonna end up beating some of this because 
it's already eight o'clock or seven or whatever, and there's not going to mm-hmm. be as many kids. But anyways, but we had enough candy for the rest of the night, and that was the important part, and we oh, saved goodness. Halloween. We already missed Halloween the year before because we went to our non-binary friend's wedding, and we got home too late. We got home after all the trick-or-treaters did their thing, and so I was okay. like, we're not missing Halloween two years in a row. She was very sad, and I did not want yeah. her to be sad. So Yeah, this is our first year in a house, and we didn't end up handing out candy. I didn't, I don't think there were, there weren't a lot of kids walking around the neighborhood. We went to the grocery store and we saw more kids mm-hmm. wandering around. It's a, it's a really strange area and like the division, I think kids cross neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. So we got to get a better lay of the land for next year. Yeah. I, um, I had a moment where I was like, I can see how people become the full candy bar house. Mm-hmm. Like, you end up being the house that gives out full candy bars either because you're rich or because they ran out of kid candy and your wife is crying on the stairs about how she wants to give candy to the kids and you're like i don't care how much it is i need to buy this chocolate for my wife right now yeah and kids know (laughs) they'll they'll tell their friends it'll make its way through the whisper network (laughs) next year they all show up expecting (laughs) full-size chocolate bars Mm -hmm. or they'll talk to other kids who came earlier and they're like wait what (laughs) Mm mm-hmm yeah, so instead of those little individual wrapped Fun Reese's, it's, it's it's like the full, like, two full Reese's cups. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a whole time. Anyway, I don't remember how we got there, but that's where we ended up. The last time I drove. That's the last time I drove. <laughs> that was eight days ago. Yeah, so I'm doing okay with the driving, thankfully. I, um, I don't intend on going on any, like, one-plus-hour road trips anytime soon because I don't want to push it. Good but, idea. It's very fatiguing. Yeah, little trips around town to run to a grocery store or go get a coffee or whatever, I think. I think I can swing that at this point, which is good. Part of my, my feelings about surgery was, like, I'd already had the... Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I don't want to do that again. I don't want to go through all mm-hmm. that pain and the healing again. Like, I had to heal from top surgery twice. Yeah. And it was such a bummer. Mm-hmm. I will say, having a full double mastectomy, it was easier to heal that than healing a breast reduction. So if you're, like, mm. out there in the wilderness listening to this later and you're, like, transmasculine whatever person and you're considering a reduction before full mastectomy, like, I... if unless you're some sort of gender fluid and you really want to have some sort of breast tissue around, like maybe consider full mastectomy. It's easier to heal. It's a lot easier to heal. And you can always wear breast forms if you want to be gender fluid or do drag or have breasts sometimes. It's just my goodness. Yeah. I never would have thought. Mm -hmm. Well, and because I went from 40 G like quadruple Mm. D down to C cup there was like a T intersection on each side of my chest and so that coming together of three wounds Mm -hmm. that spot that triangle spot took forever to heal and it got infected and it was a terrible time oh my goodness yes just like having it be flat and just have one little line of stitches that runs in a smiley face way easier to heal than that makes sense complicated double T intersection situation. Do I know if it's possible to have a double mastectomy and still leave some chest tissue? Now, I'm not totally flat. I have some, I don't know if it's fatter muscle on my chest. They can do some shaping, I think. Yeah. I remember my surgeon asked if I wanted straight lines or curved lines. And I said, honestly, I thought about a lot of things and I didn't think about that question. 
And then he responded, let me put it this way. There are no straight lines in the human body. And I was like, curves it is. Mm -hmm. You got it. So, yeah. Yeah, The person. Never thought of that question. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The person who did mine also did my buddies. And that's how I found him, Mm -hmm. the plastic surgeon. Mm -hmm. And when he does the double mastectomy, he'll cut like along the pec line. Mm -hmm. So it'll heal along that sort of contour. Mm -hmm. and he can also shape it so that the way it heals if you end up like working out a lot or whatever it'll fall into that natural crease yeah that's the ideal spot to have a slice in my opinion Mm -hmm. if if you're gonna slice put her there (laughs) yeah i have a friend who had top surgery who has some chest tattoos and they save their nipples friend uses they them pronouns save Mm -hmm. their nipples and they put it right in the middle of two tattoos they had. So they totally interrupted tattoos on their chest mm. to put the nipples there. And frankly, they look too high on their body. And oh, my no. friend told me if I had known where they were going to put those, I would have just told them to skip the nipples altogether because nipples are it more was ridiculous. Expensive. It is more expensive. It's harder to heal them. So I actually mm-hmm. opted for no nipples. And your body might reject them. Yes. It's that a is, whole time. That is very scary to me. And I'm that's... Another thing that I'm really grateful for, not needing like the total, the double double incision. incision. Yeah. Yeah. And then having to worry about nipple grafts and replacing mine and all that and like figuring Mm -hmm. out because some surgeons really do people dirty. Yeah. With my reduction. And bodies are are unpredictable. So totally. It's it's also that. We kept my my nipples with a reduction Mm -hmm. and there was no sensation. I waited for three mm. years to see if the sensation would come back. It did not. Yeah. And so that was like the only reason I kept them around. I didn't care what my chest looks like in terms of, oh, does it have nipples or not or whatever. So mm-hmm. with this time around, I was like, it's an easier healing process. And yeah. I don't want risk of, like you said, losing them and having to deal with all that and whatever. And then anyway. it can become dangerous at that point too. Yeah. Yeah. Mike. Thanks for the deep dive on top surgery. Apparently, I had a lot to say about it today. <laughs> That's cool. Thank you for sharing. Can you, Baron, share an experience of gender euphoria with us? This is one of my favorite Absolutely. questions. So a few months, I want to say, after top surgery. So it was April 2018. So that summer, Margot and I went to Ocean City And that was the first time I got to walk on the beach shirtless Mm -hmm. and topless, no bra, no bikini top, no nothing. And it was, it just felt right. It wasn't even like this like pivotal moment necessarily, like looking back, it certainly was, but it just felt right. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of ran around a little bit because no one was there on the beach at the time, except for like maybe a couple people, but yeah, it was really nice. Yeah. And just I've being noti- able to walk around the house topless, like no yeah. deal. I've noticed that I am topless a lot now. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't expect it to happen as often as it's happening, but now that it's my stuff is healed enough that it doesn't look scary to look at. Because at first mm-hmm. there was like tape and the tape was not clean. And it and was bruising. like Ooh, and bruising and all of that. And at first it was really Yeah, no nobody wanted extras. to see that. But now that it's just like a pink line with some polka dots on the side, it's okay. Mm-hmm. I can 
this is enough. It's healed enough that it's no one's going to be permanently scarred seeing this. Yeah. So it's so fun. I most I've been wearing a lot of snappy t-shirts or snap shirts like flannels. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. wearing a t-shirt today because I can finally get my hands over my head, but it's fun to do like the Superman snap all the snaps open and be like, "Ha!" <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> it's very fun. <laughs> My wife likes the snappy shirts more than the t-shirts, and she wishes I'd wear them all the time. Yeah, yeah, I didn't. Very get, cute. I had I had button ups. <laughs> I probably should have done snappies. That would have been easier on me. We had to go to the Western store, which is not very trans friendly, to get mm. the snap shirts because that's like the only place I could think of that sells snap shirts. So we went and bought like cowboy clothes. Yeah, Yeehaw. And it's funny because my wife grew up on a cow ranch. And so okay. for her, it was like going back in time and her transphobic dad and all that stuff. Mm. But yeah, master shops at dad fashion outlet. <laughs> I wish they had one of those around here because that's where I'd be all the time. Yeah, that's so funny. No, actually, we just, Margo and I went on a spur of the moment Target trip with no list, which is very dangerous. And we spent several hundred dollars on comfy clothes. Nice. And now we're at the point where we can share clothes because we're like similar shapes and sizes. Nice. Which is great. Like both it. of our wardrobes just doubled. Yeah. I, I'm in a trans like partner server, like people who are partners and w- at least one of them is trans. And there's, mm-hmm. I'd say at least last time I checked, it was like 90% cis women and trans women partners. So just hmm, a lot of trans okay. lesbians around. And yeah, so yeah. there's a lot of chatter about the the trans woman trying on the wife's outfit and stealing it and being like, this is mine now. Or like one of <laughs> the cis women will go to the store and buy a new shirt and it looks okay on her. And then her wife tries it on and she looks phenomenal. And then mm-hmm. she's I guess that's your shirt now because it looks better on you than me. Mm. There it is. <laughs> Them's the rules. <laughs> it's cute. I love when gender bendy people do choices like that it's very fun yeah Yeah. okay the last question i have for you so i'll also tell the chat this is your last call if you have any questions for the ama is what would you like folks to make sure that they know about your perspective on gender and non-binary or trans issues i think we say this all the time at least within the trans community and you even set it up top like we are not none of us are a monolith of the entire community. Mm -hmm. The community itself is not a monolith. Like everybody's Mm -hmm. transition is going to look a a little bit different and that's what makes it so special. Yeah. And it's really easy to get caught up and feel insecure about that along with all the other insecurities we have as humans. And I think it's really important to embrace that. Yeah. And it's certainly not been easy coming out as trans and the whole entirety of my transition has not been easy Mm -hmm. but it's absolutely been worth it and I'm really grateful to have the support system that I do even though it doesn't include my biological parents yeah and I I hope that anyone who is trans or questioning or any other marginalized identity has that or can find that yeah. One one conversation we've been kicking around the house is that the phrase blood is thicker than water is misused all the time because the full thing is the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb, mm-hmm. which means found family is stronger than family assigned at birth. 
Absolutely is. Yeah. I don't see any AMA questions. So I think I will just check and see if, do you have any resources you'd like for us to add to the resource link? And if not, then I will thank you for your your time and presence today. No, I think those are good. Awesome. And if you'd like to honor veterans this Veterans Day, go steal some valor, get a free meal. Margo <laughs> says therapy den for right. a resource. I will add that and we'll find the link after stream. That is a way to search for very specific therapists. It breaks it down, I think, by race, gender, maybe even sexuality of the therapist, as well as the specific issues that they are competent in. That's awesome. I love that. That's super great. I'll also just give a plug verbally for Trans Lifeline, which is translifeline.org. Their phone number is 877-565-8860. And Trans Lifeline is, is a helpline you can call if you are having a hard time in your trans and you need to talk to someone about it. Is there anything else you'd like to say about trans? Margo can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that this is the only hotline that will not call the cops if you are in crisis. Mm -hmm. So the Trevor um, Project does? I cannot confirm. Mar okay, Margo says correct. Gotcha. Also, Trans Lifeline is staffed by trans folks. Yeah. So it is true peer-to-peer -peer support. And in addition to providing that support through the hotline, they have they can connect you with resources. So you don't necessarily have to be in crisis to give them a call and if, if you need resources. Is Margo coming to say things? Awesome. Oh, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> hi, Margo. They say hi. Hey, I can't hear you. I don't know what's happening. But so Trevor Lifeline, Trevor Project will call the cops if you tell them that you're an imminent risk and they will use like tracking processes in order to find you Harder time <laughs> um, compared to trans lifeline who under no circumstance will call the police even if you are an imminent risk they will just continue to work with you to get you out of imminent risk so because there's a way to do that without calling the cops yeah yeah cab yeah. that's right <laughs> thank you i know you can't hear me saying thank you that was cute when our partners both oh. appeared. And here's Chew. Oh, the kittens. Oh, you have a void kitten. Yes. You have this a void Chewbac. kitten. Chewbac. Chewbac is Russian for dude. But... And he's got this little white the white patch on his chest. Oh, he... babies. Oh, you're at, you're shy now? Okay, goodbye. That also sounds a bit like Tuvok from Star Trek. That I think that was his original name. We got him from a shelter, and that's why I changed it to Chuvak because it was similar, but actually had sentimental value to me. Yeah, and something that I knew I didn't know that was a reference. That makes more sense now. I was like, "What is this name?" We both learned things today. All I had I was that. Star Trek trivia, but that's okay. <laughs> that's cool. I didn't. I wouldn't have known. Yeah, Juice Tech says, I thought you said Tuvok, like the Star Trek Voyager character. Exactly. Oh, here's Neferkitty. I guess we're both doing cat show and tell. Yes, hello, Neferkitty. I have trans women in the hallway handing me cats. My life is I so great. Oh, <laughs> She's precious. a good being. Sometimes sometimes I can, she can wear the beard if I get it lined up just right. <laughs> she likes Was it dark cold. in the hallway? It looks like she's squinting in the brightness. She might have been napping. Oh. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, there are a few Trek fans here. I want to say thank you 
to Baron Von Klapp for being here on the show with us today. Thanks everyone for being here. It was lovely to have you. I hope everyone has great evenings.